Today is week three of our Advent series, The Invitations of Christmas, which means today we shall be talking about peace, because today peace is the theme of Advent. Who could use a little more peace in your life this morning? Last week we spoke about hope. Today we will be talking about peace. Now, if you are following along in uh, the Advent book that I released, what you'll notice, so last week, we, I actually talked about day three on day three. Uh, today, I'm jumping ahead to day 22. So here's a little taste of what's to come in the Advent book. Uh, and if you have not received a copy yet and you would like a copy, it's a daily devotion that I wrote for this year for the Advent season. I would love to gift you with a copy, so please come and see me. We have... Uh, some more up here in the front. So just come and see me after service. Today, I want to talk about peace. And here's the thing that I realized as I was putting this sermon together. There are four themes to the season of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. What happens for Advent sometimes is you pull one of those themes like we're doing. You pull one of those themes a week. Last week, we spoke about hope. This week, we're going to speak about peace. Next week, we'll talk about joy. Then we'll talk about love the final week of Advent, but here's the truth about each of these themes. They do not exist in isolation. You get a little more hope, but the way it works typically is that as you receive more hope, you also find yourself being filled with more peace. When you feel more peace within your life, you come to discover more hope. And then there's more joy that follows along. So as we talk about these different themes of Advent, it kind of looks a bit not like this, but rather like this. They're all mixed in there together. So even though we're going to talk about peace this morning, I realize that you also can discover how to find more hope as well. And that's kind of my prayer for us is that, yes, you would receive more peace for this week, but by the end of Advent, you would have more of all four of these in your lives. Because I think peace, hope, love, joy is something that we all desperately desire more of. When we come to the end of a year, sometimes it feels like you're dragging your way to the end. And all the goodness, all the excitement, all the hope that you began a year with, every now and again throughout the year, as you're moving along, it slowly gets pulled out of you sometimes. And so you need a fresh infusion, which is where Advent comes in. Now, in order to talk about peace, I want to talk about the least peace-filled character in the story of Christmas. Any idea who this might be? I found a cartoon uh, picture of the man. I think that's a pretty good description, pretty good picture, illustration. I want to talk about King Herod the man who exhibits absolutely no peace in his life. And here is the story of King Herod as told in Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Whose title is this, King of the Jews? Jesus, sure, good Sunday school answer. It's Herod's title. Here come the Magi from a different land 
They have been on a long journey. They enter into Israel. They approach King Herod, and now they're asking him, hey, where's the one who's king of the Jews? Which Herod at this point is like, are you talking about me? I'm right here. You have found the king of the Jews right here. But the Magi are like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about you. Uh, you're, you're just, you're, you're a fake. You're a fraud. We don't, we don't care about you. We want the true king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod heard this. Of course, he was disturbed. Yeah, because here are these magi who have traveled a long distance. He thinks maybe initially he's like, oh, wow, they're, they're talking about me? And they're like, no, 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 we're talking about a child who was just born. So to King Herod, Jesus is a rival to his power. To Herod, Jesus is a threat to all that he has built in his life. Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. He didn't just stay with Herod. It traveled throughout the land. He had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them, well, where is this Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly. He is feeding his anxiety here, holding secret meetings. If you are displaying anxiety, gathering people in the corner of a room is only fueling the anxiety. Yet this is what King Herod does. He found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You think they're buying it? No, no. The Magi go, they leave his presence, they find where Jesus has been born, they bring their gifts to Jesus, and then they are warned in a dream not to return home the same way, but to travel home on a different route, to take a different highway home so that they do not have to pass by King Herod. The Magi take this advice, they heed the warning, and they return home by a different route. The story continues. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, that the Magi had not listened to him, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod starts off disturbed and by the end of his story, he now wants to murder all two-year-old boys and under. This is someone who has absolutely no peace in his life. This is not an example that we desire to follow. Now, in the beginning of his story, we come across this. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. The Greek word is the word terasso. Say terasso. Kind of rhymes with Ted Lasso. Uh, and terasso means to agitate back and forth, to shake to and fro, to set in motion something that needs to remain still, to cause inward commotion, to take away calmness. 
Have you ever felt terrassoed in your life? <laughs> Chances are you long to be a person of stillness. You long to just be there and be calm, a collected presence in the world. But then something happens, something threatens that, and you feel as if your inwards are being shaken to and fro. Uh, here's the best picture I could get to illustrate this. You ever feel like your insides are being churned in a blender? You ever been there before? This is where it starts with Herod. Everything is great. Probably wakes up one morning. He has a latte right there on his patio. He's overlooking his kingdom. Life is great. He's the king of the Jews. And then there is a knock on his door. It's the Magi. And now they're saying, hey, where's the king of the Jews? All of a sudden, the serenity that he was experiencing in the morning, because this is normally how it works, right? Everything is going well. You're skipping on the clouds. Everything is great. But then you get the news. Then you have the conversation with your coworker or your boss. You get the text. And all of a sudden, that inward stillness that existed, it's gone. And it feels as if someone has just thrown you into a blender. You're being shaken to and fro. But as we saw before, this anxiety, this lack of stillness, it does not just stay with Herod. It spreads. That's the way anxiety works. It doesn't stay with you. It spreads out from your presence. It's like a sneeze. I actually looked this up and I decided not to tell you how far a sneeze travels. I was watching this cool science video on it and then I was like, you know what? Everyone's going to be grossed out. I had better not show that video. So I decided just to uh, put that idea on the cutting floor and decided just to let's cut that one out for the morning. Yeah, anxiety, it's like a sneeze. It spreads out from you and it travels a very, very, very far distance. Have you ever heard of the butterfly effect? The butterfly effect, which Ted will be the first one to tell me, is not real. <laughs> I was thinking of you as I was putting this out there. The butterfly effect, essentially what it says is that if a butterfly flaps its wings somewhere in the world, there is a causative effect thousands of miles away. So if a butterfly flaps its wings down there in South America, there will be a tornado up here in North America. For every event, everything that happens, there is an effect that takes place somewhere else where you wouldn't even expect it to take place because the wind from the butterfly's wings just travels a very far distance. Whether true or not, anxiety is like the butterfly effect. Anxiety flaps its wings and then it spreads out from you. Uh, if you take a look at this, this is a family tree, but let's use it a little bit differently than how we used it last week. Imagine if that is you over there in that box on the left-hand side, and all of a sudden, something disrupts your calmness. Well, then you have a conversation with Betty from accounting later on that day, and then you talk to your neighbor, Ralph, and they can pick up some of that anxiety just in the way in which you're speaking to them. 
the things that you're talking about, you can almost feel it. Have you ever experienced this before? There's just something palpable coming off someone else's presence. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever felt an energy transfer from you to someone else? Or how about this one? You ever walk into a room and you just know that the people who were in that room before you entered were having a fight? Like there's something thick about the air in the room. Or or you walk into a room, you walk into a house. Like I remember when we were searching for houses, we would walk into a house and immediately we would look at each other and be like, no, this has like a strange vibe. This house has a strange feeling. Or then you walk into another house and you're like, ooh, this is a house of joy. This is a place of peace. You just sort of feel it. You can't explain it. You can't rationally explain why you feel a particular way, but you just know that it's true. Have you ever been there before? Anxiety is like this. When you are being shaken to and fro or someone else is being shaken to and fro, it then spreads out to two people or more. And then from there, it just has this ripple effect where it continues like that butterfly effect. So you're having some anxiety in South America. The next thing you know, you're here in North America and you're like, whoa, how did it spread that far? But here's the thing about the spread of anxiety. You know what also can spread? Peace can spread. And so can hope. And so can love. And so can joy. All the good things in life that we desire to have more of. You ever walk away from a conversation and the person that you were speaking with just filled you with so much hope? Or they filled you with so much joy and then you went home later that night? Or you got on the phone right away and you called a good friend because there was just something welling up within you and you didn't want to keep it to yourself. You wanted to spread the goodness of that which you had experienced. Peace is the same way. When you find yourself filled with peace, it spreads out from you. And honestly, most of the time, there's not much that you have to do in order for it to spread. You're just going about your life being you. And that which is within you is just naturally, effortlessly coming out of your pores. It just shows up in each conversation, every interaction that you're having. Go to the grocery store and you know, ooh, that cashier is having a bad day. Or, ooh, you know what? That cashier, like what happened to, what was in their morning coffee? Whatever they're drinking, I want some of it. So for Herod, his anxiety just continues to spread. We begin, he's disturbed, he's shaken to and fro. Then he's having his secret meetings in the corner, which isn't helping anyone. It's not helping Herod. And then all of a sudden at the end of the story, we find he's moved from being disturbed to now wanting to murder all the male children. What we find in this story is Herod feeding his anxiety. And here is a truth. What you feed in your life will grow. Whatever you feed in your life will grow. I know this because I have two young children and they keep growing because we keep feeding them. The question then is how do we feed the right things in our lives? For us this morning, we're talking about peace. How do we feed 
the peace, the calmness, the stillness in our lives so that we can have more of it. And the people around us then can naturally have more of it as well. Uh, who's heard of the three-body problem sci-fi trilogy? A few of us here. I just finished the trilogy a couple of weeks ago. Loved it. It was great. So if you need uh, Christmas reading, I highly recommend this one. Book one was great. Book three. Book two was okay. I don't know. Maybe it's your favorite book if you've read the trilogy. Sorry, not stepping on any toes. At the end of book three, the amount of truth in the last 20 pages of this book was just absolutely mind-blowing. Normally what I do when I come across uh, a phrase or I come across a quote that I want to use, I just start snapping pictures. I started snapping pictures at so many pages of this book. Here is one truth that I found that just, it made me stop in my reading. And I I probably uh, grabbed Steph right away. I was like, oh, listen to this. This is amazing. Now we come to the end of the trilogy. Uh, So if you haven't read it yet, I'm not going to ruin it too much for you. Basically, at the end of this trilogy, what we come to find is that the main character has realized that the universe is going to die. The universe is moving in a particular direction, and eventually the universe will be no more. The main character, she gets overwhelmed by this knowledge. How can I go on living knowing that a thousand years, thousands of years from now, the universe will be no more. Here is the advice that she is given when she is filled with this overwhelming feeling. Don't think about it too much. (laughs) Which doesn't always help. I get it. I know. But here's the wise advice. Focus on what's before your eyes. Focus on the life you must live. I love that. I love it. Because life at times gets overwhelming. And we are bombarded from every side with different things that are trying to steal our peace. Or we become overwhelmed at the state of the world. We were talking about this this past Wednesday. Look at the world. Look at what's going on with the world. And we can be overwhelmed. We can be paralyzed at how things are. But then we come across some wisdom like this. Here's what to do when you find yourself there. You try not to think about it, and instead of just not thinking about it, you actually put all your attention, you focus on that's what's right in front of you right this moment. You focus on the life that you must live. Now, what I want to do is I want to answer this question, and I want to offer you the four best ways that I have learned to do this in my life. How do we protect ourselves from being overwhelmed? How are we able to focus on that which is before our eyes right in this moment? Number one way to do it, you don't try to do too much. You don't try to do too much. Talked a bit about this last week. Here's what I said last week. You be faithful to what is in front of you. A few questions for us to ask here. First, what is most important? in this season, because every season presents its own challenges. Every season in life is different. You have different capacities in each season of life that you will encounter. So if if you were to look at your life right now in this moment, what is the most important thing for you? 
What is the thing that's crying out for your attention? You prioritize. Here's a second question. How can you care for yourself? And this is really, really important. If you want more peace in your life, you must take care of yourself. You are a gift to this world. Your life is a gift. How can you offer the best of your gift to the world? The gifts that God has birthed within you. You have to take care of yourself. Uh, Who knows what this is? Stretch Armstrong. Who's had one of these before? Our son had a Stretch Armstrong. He pulled it in every single direction. He wanted to rip this Stretch Armstrong in half. Eventually, what do you think happened to Stretch Armstrong after all the pulling and ripping and stretching? What do you think happened to him? He broke. He ripped. All that nasty goo that was inside flew all over the place. Luckily, it was at my in-law's house, so it wasn't in our house. (laughs) Yeah. You can't be like Stretch Armstrong. Eventually, all the pulling, being ripped in all different directions, when you try to do too much, you will rip in half. And then... You're no good to anyone. You're no good to yourself, your family, the people that you care about. So what's most important, and how do you take care of yourself? The first step to not being overwhelmed to having more peace is you don't try to do too much. And then here's the second way. You don't try to be someone you're not. Oftentimes, We try to do too much because we're trying to be someone other than who we are. We want to be like them, or we try to just put so much onto our plate, but the truth is, it's not right for us because it's not who we are. It's not true to the giftings that we have been born with, the giftings that we carry within us. So what is your calling? What are you being called to? Maybe it's for the entirety of your life, but again, callings can also be seasonal. What are you being called to right now in this moment? How can you be faithful to that which is right in front of you during this season? A few questions that have helped me to understand this question and to answer the question for myself is, well, where are you feeling energy? Where are you feeling passion? Where are you feeling yourself come alive? This has helped me tremendously for understanding what I am being called to in this particular season of my life. Now, for me, I'm someone that when I hear something and I believe it's true or there's something that really inspires me, I want to change my life, my entire life, the drop of a dime. I want to change everything in the moment. So I get really, really excited about things, but then I begin to look at all this change that I want to make in my life and where I want to be, who I want to be, and I get overwhelmed by it. Now, there was one point in my life, probably about, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, 
where I, I had a moment like this and I was getting overwhelmed, I was getting excited and I was telling this, this mentor, I was telling this person who was helping me make sense of my life and figure it out and here's the advice that he gave me as I was getting overwhelmed. He says this, well, the thing that you're getting overwhelmed about, the thing that you're talking about, well, is this your calling right now? Is this why this has you so worked up? Because you're realizing you can't change a system until you've taken steps yourself. So here's the advice. You take a step. You say a prayer and you ask for what? One thing. Notice that. One thing. Not four things. Because often our prayers are, God, I need this, 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 and, oh, if you could do this, if you could throw this in there as well, that would be great. Here's the advice that has tremendously helped me. You say a prayer, you ask for one thing. One step that you can take today. You ever try to take like three steps at a time? You begin stumbling a little bit. You take, how do, how do you walk? How do you learn to walk? One step at a time. So you say a prayer, you ask for one thing, then you take one step. Then you see, you take it. You enjoy taking it because that's what it's about. It's about a joy. Finding joy in your calling. The reason why we don't have joy, and I know this isn't a week about joy, but remember, they're all interrelated. The reason why we often don't have joy is because we're trying to do too much. We're trying to pack way too much in, and then life feels heavy for us. But think about Jesus. My burden is light. Not heavy. No, 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 no. Following God, following the way of Jesus, it's not meant to be this heavy burden. It's, it's meant to be this, this lightness, this, this way of walking that produces peace and lightness and joy. And for me, oftentimes when my life feels heavy, I know that something is off. And again, you can pick this up, right? You know when life feels heavy and you know when life feels light. So you don't try to be someone other than who you are the person that God has created you to be, and you ask for one thing. You take one step and then see what happens. And then here's a third way to not be overwhelmed and to have more peace in your life. You remember, you are not the savior of the world. Really, really important advice right here. <laughs> you are not the savior of the world. Think about Herod, king of the Jews. He wanted to be this person that others looked up to, that others worshipped. Sometimes we can find ourselves there as well. We have this savior complex. We try to be everything for everyone. And we carry the weight of it all on our shoulders. Well, that way of living is just going to drive you down into the ground. It's going to wear you out. You can't fix every problem. Have you ever tried to do this? Fix every problem? And where does it lead you? Insanity. Good way of describing it. You're in that blender. Uh, you can't be responsible for every need. You, you can't because you have to take care of yourself. You're not Stretch Armstrong. Eventually you will break. And you can't heal every pain in the world. And I get it. Yeah. We've all been there where we want to. We want to fix it all. But here's what you can do. You can do your part. You can do your part. You can be faithful and true to your calling. 
to the gifts that God has given you in your life. Here's another truth. Your small can have a big effect. You deem it small, but remember, you're faithful over here. And look at where your faithfulness travels, like a sneeze. (laughs) It originates from you, and then it has this ripple effect all the way down the line, and you have no idea what you being faithful to the small could birth in the world. Now, I want to end this morning with another video from Scrooge. <laughs> and I think, oh, anyone taking notes, I think you can do your part was number four, by the way. So uh, don't try to do too much. Don't try to be someone other than who you are. Uh, don't, you're not savior of the world. And then you do your part. I wanted to show this song in its entirety. So it's kind of clipped a little bit. So we're going to see. It might be a little rough. Uh, but I'm going to try to make it work here for us because this is another song that, oh, man, as we were watching this video, if you haven't seen this movie yet, I know a few of you mentioned, oh, I want to see it. What are you waiting for? Uh, it's been, you've had two weeks. So honestly, like, come on, go and watch it. Netflix, Scrooge, A Christmas Carol. This is the end of the story. And we all know the ending of The Christmas Carol, so I'm not ruining anything for you. What happens is Scrooge, he has been this miser for so long. He has burned relationships. He has these visitations by these three ghosts, and he realized the path in which my life is heading, I I don't want to keep walking that path. I want to change certain things. So what does Scrooge do? He doesn't try to change the entire world, but instead he changes one thing at a time. He focuses on what's right before him. And the way in which this movie shows this is uh, we Steph has mentioned this. She said, well, it was just brilliant what they do here while they're sitting at the table and how what they illustrate for you is how one small decision is changing the entire future of one person, but then the other people that they're interacting with as well. So what I want to do is I want to start the song, but then you'll see there's like a, a clip. So then I'm going to move forward into the scene where all everyone that Scrooge has hurt before is now sitting at the dinner table with him and he's giving them a gift. And you'll see what this gift does and how it changes the future for them and for other people. So he's waiting. He sent out invitations. And he's hoping that people will come, but he's not sure yet. I'll begin again. I will build my life. To know that I fulfill my life, I'll begin today. Throw away the past and the future I build will be some.
Yes, much obliged, Mr. Scrooge. Good, good, good. Oh, please, call me Ebenezer. What's all this about, then? Tom, your debt is cancelled. Merry Christmas, my friend. Oh, and you will give my best to your mother, won't you? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. Ladies, a thousand pounds for your fund. This and every Christmas to come. Oh, such generosity. It's the doll from my mother's picture. Uncle, I can't accept this. You must. It's a gift from an old fool who regrets all the Christmases we never shared. Oh, Uncle. <laughs> Thank you. Business partners? Yes, Bob. If you'll have me, that is. Let's build a brighter future for the Cratchit together. What do you say? I say yes! God bless you, Mr. Scrooge. I will start anew. I will make amends. And I'll make quite certain that the story ends. On a note of hope, on a strong amen, and I'll thank the world and remember when I was able to begin I just love that. You see, there's this future, but then one small change has this rippling effect. And that's how it works. You, you do your part. You be faithful to what's in front of you. You seek more peace in your life. And then it spreads from you to this person. And then it spreads to that person. And then it just keeps on going. So the invitation for us this week is to focus on what's before your eyes. Focus on your life, the life that you must live. You don't look at everything and try to take on the weight of all of it, but you focus on what's right in front of you. You be faithful to this moment, and as you do, you find peace by entrusting your life, by entrusting this whole creation this world, and everyone else in it, all the people that you care about, all the people that you love, you entrust everyone to Jesus, to the true Savior of the world. You don't try to be the Savior of the world. You simply do your part and find peace as you do so.